Good morning, Simon Trevoranis. Good morning, Devin Wilkins. And good morning, everybody out there, and welcome to Insight Peterborough, a project of the Peterborough chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind and... And big idea at the Innovation Cluster. And while we're talking about uh, CCB, Simon, I wanted to mention that uh, we do have uh, poinsettias um, for sale. Uh, You only have uh, a week, actually a little less than a week, if you're interested in one. And we have Christmas ornaments uh, as a fundraiser as well. Uh, The poinsettias are $10, $20, and $25.00. And the ornaments are $7, so if you're interested, send an email to ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. That's ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. And what's your email address, Simon? Well, you can find my email address on the Innovation Cluster website, innovationcluster.ca, but my email address is s-t-r-e-v-i-r-a. N-U-S at innovationcluster.ca. All right. It's a bit of a mouthful. (laughs) Takes up most of a line on a business card, right? It sure does, Devin. (laughs) Okay. We're going to be talking to somebody from Osteoporosis Canada in a couple of minutes. And uh, Simon, I found it really hard to find songs about bones. Bones. But one of the songs that was quite popular when I was a kid um, is uh, is called Dry Bones or Dem Bones. It's got a couple of uh, titles that it goes by. And uh, Simon managed to find a... A kid's version of it. So here it is. Them bones, them bones, them dry bones, them bones, them bones, them dry bones, them bones, them bones, them dry bones, them noisy dry bones. Them bones, them bones, them.
Dry bones. Them bones. And thank you very much, Simon, for finding that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and uh, so as I say, we're going to be talking with somebody from the uh, from Osteoporosis Canada about an event that's going to be taking place on November the fourteenth, and uh, we have Kathy Piercy. And here's the interview that uh, I did. Well, first of all, Kathy, uh, thanks very much for coming on the program. Well, thank you for having me. So, what is osteoporosis? Osteoporosis is a bone disease. It actually means porous bone. Uh, Bone loss occurs throughout a person's life, and that results in the bones becoming thinner and less dense or or less um, densely packed. And therefore, you can break very, very easily by just um, a, a small uh, injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, later on in life, eh? Yes, it, it's interesting because they sometimes say we, our bone density was built actually when we were teenagers, but it shows up later in life. So our skeleton has to last us our whole lifetime. Mm-hmm. Whereas it has our density is built when we're we're teenagers, oh. but the fractures usually show up later in life. Right. And is there a, a an age or a point at which uh, you can't add to your you can't continue to build your bone density? Great question. Yes, actually, by the time we're thirty, we can no longer add. Uh, calcium and density to our bones any longer and our body can only take calcium um, away from that. So that's why it's so important that we make sure that we have calcium through food um, Uh every day so that the calcium isn't being taken out of our bones. So probably by the time we're 30, um, that's when we can no longer add density to our bones. And what kind of foods uh, are uh, is the Osteoporosis Society suggesting that we get the calcium from? Yeah, so Osteoporosis Canada always suggests food first. So those types of foods look like uh, dairy products are always easier, milk, yogurt, um, cheese, but there's also lots of other things that have calcium in them as well. So non-dairy alternatives like an almond milk or a soy beverage, um, almonds are have have calcium in them. Um, dark leafy greens like broccoli and bok choy, canned salmon, but with the bones in. We need mm-hmm. to have the bones. So there's lots of different options out there. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of people don't like to keep the bones in salmon or even the skin, <laughs> but I just kind of scrunch it all up together and. And I think it's good. Yeah, exactly. And that's where you're getting your calcium is from those soft bones. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, then uh, you can also take supplements, can can you? You can. Osteoporosis Canada, we don't recommend them as your first line. We recommend food first. And then at the end of the day, if you think, you know what, I haven't gotten the amount of calcium that I need, and that varies depending on your age, then you would supplement at the end of the day uh-huh. uh, with calcium. One thing, though, that we do suggest that you supplement uh, is vitamin D. 
vitamin D is hard to find in enough food. We get it from our sunshine, mm -hmm. and we're now going into the season where we don't see the sun, and it's not strong enough. So vitamin D is one thing we need to supplement, but as for calcium, we would prefer food first. Okay. So now if you do take vitamin D supplements, though, um, don't you also have to take calcium to help the body absorb vitamin D? Well, as long as you're getting your calcium through food, it will help that vitamin D absorb ah, into your body. Okay, great. The uh, processed cheese, you know, the cheese slices that you can get, uh, do they have much calcium? They do have some calcium in them, yes, um, but you might be better off to do um, a, a different type of cheese, yeah, like a nice hard cheese or something. Okay. So tell us a little bit about what the what Osteoporosis Canada does. So our mission is to educate those living with osteoporosis, um, giving them education on how to live with this condition. Um, we provide research and, and always looking for new ways to improve uh, medication and to improve people's lives. We're a not-for-profit not organization. Uh, but we do a lot for those living with osteoporosis. And um, is exercise something that you suggest on a, a regular basis for someone, well, either uh, thinking that they might develop osteoporosis or that, that already has it? Absolutely. Exercise is key. And years ago, we used to tell people, go for a walk and, and you'll be fine. But there's a lot of research happening now saying that we really need to do strength training exercises. So those exercises look like um, using small weights, uh, TheraBands, those big elastic bands, using our own body weight to really improve the muscle mass around those bones. It helps with prevention of falling and things like that. Oh. The other areas of exercise that we need to look at is balance training. We need to practice balance training every day, um, as well as our posture, looking at what our posture is looking like um, as we're sitting in a chair, because many of us sit too much these days. Yeah. So are we all slouched over, or do we have a nice um, posture sitting in the chair? And then again, when we're standing, are we slouched over, or, or are we standing tall with our shoulders back and our head, head up? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, of course, the, the balance would, would help with um, fall prevention, too. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I find as we get older, balance is just not what it used to be. So really practicing different balance exercises every day. And that could be as simple as... Um, you know, holding on to the back of a chair or your kitchen counter or your bathroom counter in the morning and seeing if you can stand on one foot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, do that twice a day while you're brushing your teeth. Try one side and then try the other. Okay, I must do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you have a, there is an osteoporosis group here in, in Peterborough, isn't there? There is, yes. We have a, a support group and or an information session that we meet on a monthly basis mm -hmm. at Activity Haven. And we meet the third Thursday of each month at 1 o'clock. And this group, we come together um, each month and sometimes we bring in a, a different speaker or we just talk amongst each other and support each other from, you know, what exercises are you doing or where are you doing them? 
um, what kind of foods that we need to be eating. Lots of people have medication questions that, that people can come together and, and talk as a group and, and share ideas and what's working for them. And it's just nice to know that you're not alone. Yeah. Speaking of uh, medication, how often does Osteoporosis Canada suggest that uh, people uh, get a, uh, a bone density test? So a bone mineral density test is a test that we do to see how how your bones are look because you can't see inside your body. So uh -huh. so this is a test, and we recommend everybody by the age of sixty five at least have a baseline. So that's male and female. Okay. I really want to encourage the men out there to get a bone mineral density test as well. Oh, good. Then from the frequency, that all depends on what your baseline says. Uh -huh. um, it could be over the next three to five years. It could be if things are fine. It could be seven years. So it all depends on on, on where your numbers are. But we also take into consideration lifestyle things. We look at your age. We look at your gender. Do you have previous fractures? If you've had a previous fracture, um, you're more at risk of fracturing again. Is there a family history? Um, certain medications really affect bone health as well, uh, from prednisone to cancer, um, radiations, things like that. So there's a lot more that goes into it than just a bone mineral density test, but we really encourage everyone by this, at 65 to have a baseline done. Okay, yeah. And uh, it's not a painful test, I can, I can uh, attest to that. You just lie there on the table. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I understand that uh, November is osteoporosis month, isn't it? Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. So I understand that uh, you're going to be uh, presenting uh, an event. Uh, is it on, I think, November 14th, did you say? November the 14th, yes. Yeah. So the past seven years, we've had an annual education event for, for the public. And this year, as you mentioned, it's on November the 14th. And we're hosting it at the Peterborough Navy Club in Peterborough. And we have different speakers that come in for the morning. So it's a morning event. And our keynote speaker this year is Dr. Adachi. And he is a professor of medicine from McMaster University in Hamilton. So we're really excited to have him coming to Peterborough to share his expertise with us. And the other speakers that we have coming for the morning are going to be talking about the importance of movement and exercise when uh, living with osteoporosis. So it's a, it's a great morning, lots of information. You can register online at osteoporosis.ca under the events page. Okay. Um, you can, yeah, just register right online. Okay. Right. Um, and what, is there a cost? There is no cost. Mm -hmm. uh, we do ask for donations because uh, there is a light lunch that we serve. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So what time uh, uh, does it start? So doors will open at 9 o'clock mm -hmm. and uh, the event will start at 9.30. Okay. And last until? Um, we, the speakers usually finish up around noon and then we have a light lunch. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then uh, people are free to, to leave after that. After that, yes. Yeah. Okay, that, that sounds good. Um, and if people wanted more information about that, they could uh, go to osteoporosis. 
Yes, osteoporosis.ca. Yeah. Or my phone number is 705-761-0223. Okay. All right. <laughs> Terrific. Uh, is there anything else that I should be asking you uh, that, uh, that I haven't? Usually the three takeaways that I always, when I do presentations to groups, is the three takeaways is when you're looking at your bone health, it's so important to be building your bone density when the younger the better. Mm -hmm. And calcium through food first, vitamin D for everyone living in Canada, and staying active, moving your body to the, your best of your ability. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Well, thanks so much for uh, coming to chat with us about it, and I hope you have a, a good turnout uh, on the 14th of November. Thank you very much for having me today. Great interview, Devin. Thank you. Uh, that was fun to do. And that was uh, Kathy Piercy from Osteoporosis Canada. And um, I'm going to have to take some time away from Flutissimo after Christmas on a Thursday afternoon to go there because I, I really want to get involved. Mm -hmm. Something that stood out to me on that is that uh, she mentioned that we have to build up the calcium in our bones before we're 30, and we have to, we have to do the best we can to... to you know, take care of our bones up until that point because I guess you can't do much after that. Is that what she was saying? Uh, basically, you, you sure can't uh, build any more calcium in, into your bones. So after that, you have to eat uh, calcium every day, mm -hmm. uh, foods containing calcium. And they suggest that you eat food first and then supplement afterwards if you think uh, at the end of the day maybe that you haven't had quite enough calcium. Right, so popping a calcium supplement is not a, a replacement for eating good no. foods. No, And it seems to be a common theme. Almost all of the advice that people give us is similar. You know, eat well and use your body so that you build up strength. That's right, yes. Yeah. Wow. And and also uh, exercise um, is, is a good thing to build up uh, the strength of your bones like weight-bearing exercises mm -hmm. and uh, also balance. Yeah, and I think, I mean, standing versus sitting. Like, you could just yeah. sit and your legs don't get used, but if you're standing, if you can make a standing desk or get a standing desk, or if you find yourself sitting for extended periods every day, I mean, that's not helping your bones at all. No, no, no. Mm. We should take a break every hour or so and get up and do something. All right, Devin, I'm going for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> After the program. Okay. <laughs> Um, I think we have uh, a time to play another song about bones. It kind of works out that Halloween was just uh, the other day because it made me go to my Halloween folder on my computer, mm. and I found a couple of songs about skeletons. Sure, okay, so some Louis Armstrong skeleton in the closet? Yeah, that works. Here we go. There's an old deserted mansion on an old forgotten road where the better ghosts and goblins always hang out. One night they threw a party in a manner a la mode and they cordially invited 
all the gang out. Had a dark, bewitching hour. When the fun was loud and hearty, a notorious wildflower became the life of the party. Spooks were having their midnight fling. Mary Megan was in full swing. They shrieked themselves into a cheerful trance. When the skeleton in the closet started to dance. Now a goblin, he giggled with fiendish glee. A shout rang out from a big banshee. Amazement was in every ghostly glance. When skeleton in the closet started to dance. Now all the witches were in stitches while his steps made rhythmic thumps. And they nearly dropped their broomsticks. When he tried to do the bumps, you never heard such an earthly laughter or such hilarious groan. When skeleton in the closet rattled his bones. Wow, that last note. Sorry about that, folks. Holy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That was piercing. So, uh, Simon, uh, thanks to Phyllis uh, for filling in last week. When you weren't here, uh, what were you up to? Well, one of the hats that I wear is with Junior Achievement. I think we interviewed somebody from JA last year. Uh, Stephen Lovely, I think. Oh, great. And maybe even Haley. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, so uh, here in Peterborough, we, we typically only did programs in class in you know, elementary and high schools. And uh, there were whole populations of people in Peterborough that weren't getting our programs. So we developed a shortened program to bring to other groups. And in particular, we set up a delivery with uh, folks from Ontario Works and ODSP. And so we facilitated a shortened program last week on Friday... Uh, for for a group of folks, and uh, the hope would be to be able to do those on a more regular basis. 
Very good. Yeah. And were you happy with the results? I think the program went really well. Good. We were modeling after what's being done all over the world. I mean, I mean there's a lot of JA out there, 117 countries running wow. programs. And so uh, there's lots of great examples of, of how to do things like this. So I think it went really well. The program went really, really well. And it, it, uh, it could have been better attended, but, but we didn't have any control over that. So mm -hmm. it, it went well. Good. Yeah. Good. That's yeah. great. Uh, well, in a, a couple of minutes, we're going to be um, interviewing somebody about this new CNIB guide dog program. All these years, CNIB has been in his existence for 100 years now. And they, up until just this past year or so, have not had anything to do with guide dogs, except their orientation and mobility instructors do kind of prepare uh, people to go to get a, a guide dog. Hmm. Um, but just recently, they um, have established a training program, and their first class is actually in November. Now, it's not here in Peterborough, but certainly if uh, anyone is considering um, getting a guide dog, uh, that is one option. So I kind of thought to make this segue between bones and dogs, Simon, we could play a song by Hank Snow called Dog Bone. We could do that. Shall we do that right now? <laughs> sure. Here we go. Well, I feel just like a dog bone. Buried in your backyard And I feel so low Since you decided to go Cause you let me fall so hard You dropped your dog bone Diggity 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 dog bone I feel just like a dog bone Chewed and tossed away But another bone Dig me up and I'll shine again someday Brand new dog bone Diggity, 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 dog bone Mean you thought I was Santa Claus, I'm just a dog bone. Diggity, 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 dog bone. You used to be my hero, even fight for me. When another dog tried to be a hog, you made her leave me be. I was your dog bone. Diggity, 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 dog bone. 
someday you'll be wanting to taste my lips again. But another chow is my new dog now. You're gonna miss my loving, and then you want your dog bone. Diggity, 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 dog bone. And that was Hank Snow with Dog Bone. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, as I mentioned, there is a new guide dog training program uh, now being offered by CNIB. And I had the chance to interview um, this lady named Victoria Nolan uh, from Toronto. And uh, she is the head stakeholder and public engagement officer, I think, Ooh. is a big title <laughs> yeah. for, for what she does. Could you fit that on one business card, Devin? I don't think so. No, okay. In Braille, we're talking <laughs> yeah, about Yeah, folks. yeah. No, 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 definitely not. <laughs> okay. So, um, shall we do that next? Sure. Do you want to do a song first, or uh, do you want to jump right into that? We've got, um, we've got the Trust Me Baby. Okay. This is a let's do let's do the trust me baby and then we'll go right into the interview with Victoria Nolan. Sounds good to me. This song is um a takeoff of uh, on Trust Me Baby by Carly Rae Jepsen and it was done by a graduating class of a guide dog school. Now I don't know which school it was. It could have been uh the one in Oakville seeing that Carly Rae is Canadian. And um, I don't know for sure, but uh, anyway, uh, we'll we'll do that, and then we'll jump right into the interview with uh, Victoria. Here we go. I was raised from a pup to walk and keep my head up. Learned when to go and to stop so I could guide your way. The kennel wait was so long, I trade my soul for a clong. But one day you came along, and now I'll guide your way. My fur is shiny, big ears, tail ain't tiny, pink tongue, scratch my hiney. I'm so glad you came to find me. Hey, you just met me, and this is crazy. But I'm your guide dog, so trust me, baby. Hey, grab the handle, there's no maybe, cause I'm your guide dog. So trust me, baby, hey, you just met me, and this is crazy, but I'm your guide dog, so trust me, baby, and when we cross the street, it don't faze me, cause I'm your guide dog, so trust me, baby. So our first walk wasn't grand, see, it's like learning to dance, come on and give me a chance, and I will guide your way. And now with me at your side, you will learn how to glide. Hold your head up with pride, cause I will guide your way. My fur is shiny, big ears, tail ain't tiny, wet nose, scratch my hiney. I'm so glad you came to find me. Hey, you just met me, and this is crazy, but I'm your guide dog. So trust me, baby, here I stand at your side. When you need me, I'll stay hoping. You'll soon feed me. Hey, you just met me, and this is crazy. 
for coming on the program, uh, Victoria. It's good to have you. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me. So before we get talking about the uh, new CNIB Guide Dog Training Program, let's uh, get to know a little bit about you. I understand that you are a Paralympian. I am, yes, in the sport of rowing. Oh, okay. And yeah. what, when was that? Uh, I actually, I started competing in 2007, so I've been to three Paralympic Games. So you're still uh, uh, working at it, eh? I just retired, actually. So I, I competed in Rio um, and then just went to the World Championships in September, and now I'm done. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I'm uh, throwing in my oar. <laughs> oh, are you? Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, when you were in uh, Rio, uh, did you... Um, uh, did you win a medal? Uh, we did. We won bronze. All right. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah, thank you. So when I think about the CNIB and guide dogs, um, I've heard from very senior guide dog users that when uh, Morris Frank uh, first came to Canada, um, I guess back in the late 20s or early 30s, um, Colonel Baker wasn't too receptive to the idea of guide dogs. Uh, I guess there's been quite a turnaround. Yeah, well, I think, uh, I mean, you know, people who use guide dogs, um, I think are definitely out in the community more, have a high level of confidence. And uh, there's actually been some statistics that show the rates of employment are higher with guide dog users than with cane users. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think they definitely are making a difference. At least I know they're not for everybody, but uh, for some people, they are making a really big difference. Now, that I find really surprising because a lot of people uh, are, are kind of against having dogs or animals of any kind in, in the workplace. So I'm glad that the that, uh, statistics are in our favor. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there are the, the laws protecting us, right, which, um, although, you know, it's still surprising how many people don't know these laws, but, uh, you know, through 
whether it's the human rights, and it, it depends what province you live in, but uh, whether it's through the human rights code or certain provinces actually have laws that can be enforced by the police that, of course, give you the right to be wherever anyone else is allowed to go. Yeah. Uh, so I understand that uh, you're going to be having your first class this month. Yes, it's very exciting. So we only started the program just over a year ago, and so yeah, our first class will be graduating this month. Um, it's a very small number because we're just getting the program started, so we have six dogs graduating. Uh, but yeah, it's very exciting. Wonderful. And um, do you have a, a facility that you train out of, or how does that work? So as of right now, we don't have a facility. Um, so where this, the class is taking place, so the, uh, the guide dog handlers will be staying at a hotel, so it is like a central location. Um, so they stay at the hotel and train with the dogs in that community, and it's just outside of Ottawa. Are you running into any uh, kickback from, say, Canadian Guide Dogs for the Blind, which is located in Manitick, just south of yeah. Ottawa? I'm not. I, I'm. I'm guessing that they're probably not thrilled that we are um, using a you know a location that's close to their school. We did honestly try really hard not to infringe on their you know, their location and sort of the, their space. Um, it just happened that the guide dog trainers that we've hired actually live in the Ottawa area, and so just logistically that was the best place to make it work. But um, as the program grows, of course, we're a national organization. We're going to be looking to training and raising the dogs all across Canada. So are the uh, can are you at liberty to tell me whether the uh, people that are being trained during uh, November are uh, from the Ottawa area? We actually have a pretty good representation across Canada. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. And uh, how many uh, uh, classes do you envision uh, holding each year? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's because, like I said, we're a new program, it's going to be um, developing gradually. So as of right now, including these dogs that are just going to graduate, we have over 40 dogs in our program. So wow. it's still not a huge number, right? So it's, it'll, it'll be slow initially. Um, and of course, it, it totally depends on, you know, the success rate of the dogs. And we have, you know, predict, predictions of how many pups we'll be getting in certain litters. But of course, you can't count on that. Um, so we're, we're learning as we go, but uh, we're hoping to grow over the years. Are you planning on using the usual breeds that are used for guide dog training? So CNIB guide dogs, uh, is going. To, we're going to use Labradors and Golden Retrievers or crosses of the two. Uh, so those are the only two breeds we'll be using. And uh, with the trainers that we have working with us, um, believe that those are the two breeds that are the most successful. And how is uh, your relationship with uh, organizations like uh, uh, Lions Clubs uh, across Canada, seeing that um, uh, they have their own uh, training program and, and that sort of thing? We're really hoping that we can work together with Canadian schools and organizations like Lions, who've been, of course, extremely supportive of CNIB. 
Um, the intention here is to that hopefully we can work together and improve life for all guide dog handlers. Uh, you know, regardless of what school the guide dogs come from, that's a main part of our guide dog program is, you know, to help with things like problems with accessibility or to help with education. Um, so my role, which is ahead of stakeholder relations and community engagement, uh, I work with guide dog handlers across the country. So it doesn't matter what school you come from, you can call me if you, you know, need support, need resources. Um, we still continue to have our uh, vet support. So if you, as a guide dog handler, if you encounter an extreme uh, vet bill, you can apply to CNIB to get some reimbursement for that, again, regardless of where your dog comes from. So we're really not trying to, you know, step on anyone's toes. We just want to be another option for Canadians. What uh, gave rise to CNIB thinking about establishing a program in the first place? So there was, I guess there hadn't been a lot of research done um, in speaking specifically to guide dog handlers and what their experience was like. And so some research was carried out that made CNIB realize things aren't, like everyone just assumed, you know, that we've got Canadian guide dog schools, everything's fine, but in looking into it, there are quite a long, quite lengthy uh, waiting lists for the Canadian guide dog schools. Um, in some cases, schools are not accepting any new applicants. And a lot of Canadians are turning to the U.S. because, for whatever reason, a variety of reasons, but one of them is there's, you know, a shorter wait time. And so there was the realization that there is a need for more Canadian guide dog schools. Another thing that helped with the decision is... Uh, the fact that now CNIB has sort of split into two entities. So we've got the um, vision loss rehabilitation, uh, which has split from the foundation side. So there's definitely a lot more uh, resources and money available now to go into something like a guide dog program and, you know, other foundation programs that will help support our clients. Since now uh, on the foundation side, we don't have to... Um, spend those resources in things like, you know, orientation and mobility skills or uh, daily living skills. Um, that's been taken over to the vision loss rehab side. And uh, how about the uh, guide dog uh, training program? Is that also vision rehabilitation? No, vision that's a foundation loss. program. Oh, I see. So that's separate, yeah. Okay. Uh, sounds good. Uh, so, um, is this is you you say that this has been in the works for about a year. Mm-hmm. And how many um, uh, trainers do you have on staff? Uh, so it's growing all the time. As you probably can imagine, that's a very um, specialized uh, position to be a guide dog mobility instructor. Uh, so there aren't. A, there aren't many available in Canada, you know, you have to look internationally, uh, but it's, we're actually starting to grow pretty fast. So now we're at, uh, we've got four guide dog mobility instructors, and we also have a uh, guide dog trainer. And we're going to be looking to start an ambassador, or not an ambassador, we're going to be looking to start an apprentice program. Okay. So that, yeah, so that we can, um, you know, start to get some Canadian staff who uh, obviously will train with uh, our guide dog mobility instructors that we have now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how long do you think that your uh, classes will be? I 
believe the plan right now is a three-week program, and following that, those three weeks, uh, the guide dog mobility instructor will go back with you to your community just to make sure that the transition goes smoothly. Once you're in your own community and in that, you know, new environment from where you were training. And there will, of course, be ongoing support, um, you know, once you've made that transition and your, your instructor leaves, you know, if an issue comes up or you have questions, um, they will be available to come back out and work with you. As well as, obviously, the fact that we're CNIB, we have orientation and mobility instructors as well across the country that can work with you. Yeah, they seem to be much more knowledgeable about uh, guide dog handling now than they uh, used to be years ago. Yeah, I know um, a lot of guide dog schools are providing support to them, and uh, you know when they're if they happen to be in town providing workshops for O and M instructors, so that's something we would like to do as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So uh, you've got this class starting uh, this month, and. Are you planning on doing any more during the winter, or do you have your next class scheduled? Yeah, we're trying to avoid training in the winter, uh, especially if it's going to be happening in the Ottawa area. The weather's pretty unpredictable. And, well, you can predict it's going to be cold. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, there won't be any training happening over the winter. We'll start again after the spring. Okay. If uh, anyone wanted uh, more information about the program, is there a place that they can go to find out more or someone that they can contact? Definitely. So you can check out the website at cnibguidedogs.ca. And if you want more information, you can always contact me. It's victoria.nolan at cnib.ca. All right. That's great. Is there anything else that I uh, should be asking you? One difference of the CNIB Guide Dog Program that's different from some of the other guide dog schools is we will be able to provide food for the guide dogs for their entire life. So really? The reason why that's significant is there are some people, some Canadians, who uh, cause the cost of having a dog is a barrier to them for, you know, to have a guide dog. And so if we can help remove that as a barrier and you know, provide people this opportunity, then uh, we are happy to do that. And how about uh, veterinary costs? Yes, similar to other schools, um, the veterinary costs will also be covered. Everything, even the routine stuff like vaccinations? Yes, so the goal for the CNIB Guide Dogs program is that there's no cost to the handler. Ah, okay. Well, thank you very much for chatting with us, and all the best of luck with the uh, the program uh, this month, and of course, anything else that you do, and uh, let us know if we can help with any more publicity. Thank you very much. And that was Victoria Nolan, and we were talking about the new CNIB Guide Dog Program that... Uh, is having its first class this month. Very cool. There's a fellow in the southern United States named Doc Watson, and he is a blind guy, and uh, he um, composed a piece called Doc and Dog. Now, whether he has a guide dog or not, but anyway, we'll, we'll play this anyway, and 
then get into what you're doing there, Simon. So let's hear Doc Watson with Doc and Dog. little fiddle song yeah or sorry mandolin Mandolin. actually (laughs) my my apologies and uh yeah nice little short ditty there doc and dog doc and dog yeah anyway uh you've got some exciting news there simon i sure do so last year uh, i attended something called electric city hacks and it's run by a group called major league hacks and hacks it's referring to hackathon or design challenge event And basically, there are 300-plus students from universities and and I think the latter years of high school that are are coming to Peterborough to stay in the student center, or the newly built student center, and they stay there for the entire weekend, like 37 hours straight. They don't leave the building, and they work on building a tech solution to a problem, or they they come up with something. Cool. And so last year, uh, through the Innovation Cluster, we sponsored and uh, uh, judged a category for accessible innovations or inclusive innovations. And so last year, some really amazing stuff was created, including, and this is just built with robotics and, and Arduinos and all kinds of little things, a functional, wearable device where somebody could walk through a forest a person with visual impairments could walk through a forest without hitting a tree. Really? It scans left and right, and then it identifies six channels. So all the way to the left is one, a little bit closer is two, kind of a little bit to the middle is three, and then all the way on the far right is six kind of thing. Wow. And then it scans and it it, uh, vibrates where there's something, an obstruction. So basically, 
there's six channels, and a person with visual impairments would be able to tell where there was things in the way. So they'd be able to walk around them and walk through a forest, basically. Wow. So this is something that a university student made in 37 hours. Pretty amazing. So nice. all these technologies, all these ideas, they get built, and they get built in a short period of time, and then the students are judged on it. So that really cool Electric City Hacks event with 300-plus students is happening again this weekend here in Peterborough. Nice. Yeah, and yeah. so once again, the Innovation Cluster is sponsoring category for accessible innovations, and so we'll be there, and uh, I'm not going to sleep over, I'm not going to sleep on the ground like some of those folks are going to do, but, <laughs> but uh, it's certainly going to be a great weekend, and I hope to have a couple of cool stories about the stuff that these folks came up with next week. Oh, that'll be great. I'll look forward to that. So what happened with this prototype that was uh, built last year? Are they going to patent it? or That's a work? really good question. So the answer is no. Um, the majority of the stuff that gets made up uh, just kind of gets disassembled at the end of the event. And so a part of what I'm hoping to do with the innovation cluster is to is to be able to capture those those amazing innovations yeah. and kind of incubate them. There are a lot of great ideas out there, and there are a lot of products that get created, and and I guess they, they not all of them make it to market, not all of them make it past the idea stage, mm -hmm. and uh, I think it would be great to be able to provide some support for those folks when they come up with an amazing new technology to support them so they can actually turn them into a, a product that can be used by folks and, and can be marketable and create jobs and so on. So so keep that uh, in mind, I guess. I'd love to be able to do more of that and hope to be able to do it in the future. That would be great. More on that later. Yeah, right. Oh, gosh, the uh, sky is the limit, isn't it, eh? Yeah, well, wouldn't it be cool if there was a one place you could go where all of the assistive technologies were housed or the uh, the best ones were, were kind of, oh, we've identified that the best way to do this is this, and here we've got this product, you can try it out. And if there's something that, that hasn't been developed that should be developed, we can work on that too and get a group of people working on that. I really think that that's a, that's a good idea, and I think Peterborough is a special place, and we might be able to, to host something like that. So, again, more on that later. Yeah, that'll be great. Cool. Well, I guess we're just about um, coming up to the end of our program. We sure are. But we do have a song by a local fellow from Omimi, and I think you will all know him as Neil Young. <laughs> and uh, it's called, is it King? It's just called King. King. All right, so we'll uh, play that, and then uh, we shall see you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.